just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the show. My name's Johnny Ball. This is Speaking Influence, the show where we dive into the world of influence and persuasion to help you build your authority in your industry and become a powerfully persuasive communicator. And along the way, maybe learn how to defend yourself against the tools of influence and persuasion being used against you in your life and business. Very often on the show, I will chat to people from the world of public speaking, from psychology, even comedians and professional marketers, brand experts, and many more besides. This week, I get to speak to a class of guests I've never had on the show before, but I've really wanted to for the longest time. His name is Duncan Stevens, and he is a mentalist as well as being a professional speaker. Now, if you don't know what a mentalist is, these are the kinds of people who use sort of hypnosis and mind magic to trick you into things or to influence and persuade you in some very spectacular ways. And they'll do that in a stage show. And it can be amazing. If you've never seen somebody like Darren Brown, for example, then you definitely want to start checking this stuff out. It's quite incredible what they can do. And Duncan does a little bit of magic in the show here as well, but he's primarily talking about influence and persuasion. He is the founder of the Influence Association in the UK and has written an amazing book, which we are going to be talking about in the show too. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation as much as I did. In fact, I'm sure you will. Wherever you are while you're listening to this, whether you're on the move or relaxing at home or something else entirely, I hope you will find some great takeaways for this episode. And of course, enjoy the show. Welcome to Speaking Influence, the show that helps you to master the psychology and application of ethical influence and persuasion in life and business with persuasive presentations and podcasting coach, Johnny Ball. Welcome to Speaking Influence. Now, I am very excited because when I get to have guests come on the show who I've been hoping to speak to you for a long time, that makes me excited. And I have a guest who is the kind of guest who I've wanted to bring on the show for the longest time and haven't had on before. And he is a keynote speaker. He is also an author, but he is also a mentalist. And so we are going to be having a chat about some of those things, as well as his book about influence and persuasion and all the stuff that you love coming to speak influence for. So let me welcome to the show, Duncan Stevens. Amazing. Thanks for having us, Johnny. Great to be here. Great to have you with us. Okay, good. So welcome to the show. And uh, one of the things that I like to launch into with people to, first of all, start the conversation flowing is to ask you who's somebody who you admire, who's someone you look up to for their influence and persuasion. I think you wouldn't be worth your salt in uh, influence and persuasion if you didn't uh, mention Cialdini, of course. Wouldn't mention his name, of course, the godfather of influence and persuasion. But he does that in a very formal way and what 
the kind of tools that you'd use in business. However, if I was to look up for somebody who kind of tweaks influence and persuasion, entertainment, spin on things and uses it for entertainment, I would, of course, say Dem and Brown, the kind of two leaders in their specific field. So yeah, Dem Brown looks at it in a, in a more entertainment digestible way. I sometimes feel, you yeah. know, uh, Chow Dini's books are sometimes this thick. And whilst they're full of great information, you know, sometimes you like to experience inflammation in a bit more lighthearted manner. So, yeah, yeah I, I would agree with you that those are both names of people who I would love to get on my show. I, I'm not sure I'm quite big enough for them yet, but hopefully at some point. Start with me. Start with me. Oh, we've had drinking. Um, yeah, go on then. Yeah, hopefully I'm working my working my way up to that. And uh, I'm certainly very glad. You know, I feel like I had to work my way up to to having guests like yourself on Duncan as well. And uh, and that's a great privilege for me. You know, I, I know I'm I know I'm sort of working up to some of those. Uh, top names at some point in the future as well. Those are great examples and people who certainly I've followed in the world of influence and persuasion as well. And one of the things I loved what you, what you said there as well is that you mentioned about how someone like Cialdini has a lot of information in his book, but perhaps you don't always take away the practical side of that. And I know in your book, you talked about how you felt it was important to have the takeaways, to have the stuff that this is how you, how you would use that. It's like, yeah, you can see the study, but what does it mean to you if you don't know how to apply it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, if you, if you, if you look in my book, I try and lead with a, a question that would, that you could essentially pose to yourself before getting into which poses come to the masses through, let's say Darren Brown or magic, let's call it. Often people go, well, that must be set up or oh, I wouldn't behave like that. Or oh, of a building as one of Denver Brown's especially, I wouldn't, I would be influenced to push somebody off of a, a building. Uh, as you know, often with, with some of the steps in any form of influence and persuasion, you don't go for that big act. You might build it up slowly, slowly, slowly. So unless, unless it's situational, sometimes all you ask to think about it, you probably start thinking, oh, no, I wouldn't do that. And this is why uh, I think uh, one of one of the books, uh, one of the experiments I spoke about is perhaps the most famous is the Milgram experiment, which I'm sure your uh, listeners are aware of, of course. Yeah. Milgram uh, getting somebody to fire up uh, increasingly powerful vaults uh, onto a participant, which is actually an actor, but then the actual person taking part is actually the uh, the person in the experiment. Yeah. But I start off with making the illusion of that powerful of, of, of voltage is linked to pulling back an elastic band on your hand, which is equivalent to 15 volts. Because when we look at the numbers of like, would you really electrocute somebody with 15 volts? Oh, what's 15 volts? Yeah, go on then. What's 40 volts? But if you put it in a context of any form of influence persuasion. I think when you contextualize something, I think that's really what gives it, uh, it's the substance and the belief and the, yeah, the appreciation of what influence persuasion is. Yeah. yeah. I, I think probably anyone who's read like Cialdini uh, or, or your book or, or any of the sort of significant books on influence and persuasion, hopefully will have come across Milgram's uh, experiments before and be, be very familiar with that. And it is important, especially understanding how we are influenced by authority in that particular situation as much as anything else. And this, uh, I guess there's a social proof aspect to that as well. You have pretty, a pretty nice definition of influence and persuasion in the book. And it's something that I've often tried, you know, had various ways of describing, trying to, trying to make it nice and simple for people, sometimes diving into that a bit. But for the benefit of our listeners on the show, what, how, how, do, you describe, how do you describe influence and persuasion? 
What did they put in the book? <laughs> what, what did you write? To your own book, to you here. <laughs> yeah, so you're testing me. Influence and persuasion. The thing is, I, I, I put it in my words, in my, how I see it. I think influence and persuasion, rather than me just going from a book and saying this is it, everybody has a different way of interpreting what influence and persuasion is for them. And certainly doing my shows, you know, my feeling of influence and persuasion would be very different to the next person and very different to the next person. So I don't think there's a, it sounds like a cop out, but I don't think there's any one set way of defining influence and persuasion because some people, for example, for example, one of, I, I believe the most important things of influence and persuasion is, is authenticity. And with authenticity comes all of the beautiful things in a human being, i.e. empathy. I love sharing, caring, all the things that we are a bit more spiritual, a bit more twee that we wouldn't naturally associate with influence because influence to some people is seen as manipulation. It's not, if you're doing it like that, it's very wrong. But so for those people, if you are being authentic, if you are being empathetic, if you are, as an example, if I was to take, if you, if you were battered and bruised, hungry and thirsty from the recent pandemic, I wouldn't come up to you and start selling you cookery courses. If that's what my job was, I'd put my arm around you. I'd give you food. I'd give you water. I'd make you feel warm and comforted and only then start talking to you about what's next. Now, if I do that with no premeditation and you in the future want to collaborate with me, you should never think you've been influenced. There should almost be no such thing as influence. I believe there should, this word shouldn't exist. But, but it does. We have, to, we have to give it a word, yeah. but there shouldn't, you know. I yeah. think what, what, one of the things I like from how you describe it in your book is about saying that it's like an expression of your values through character, and that's what's actually influencing mm-hmm. people. I think you, you also quote Aristotle, who's saying that the greatest influence is character, which, which I think is very important. But when you take that in mind, we are always influencing, whether we are consciously doing it or not. And whether we're intending to influence or not, we're always doing that. Would you agree? Well, yeah. I mean, like I said, I'd say in the book, it's one of the many transactions we're having with life, either influencing or being influenced, but we don't naturally or consciously think about it. It's the same as our transaction of life of breathing out and breathing in. We're having a transaction with a tree. You know, if that tree wasn't there, we wouldn't be here. If we weren't here, the tree wouldn't be there. It's the same kind of thing that we don't experience. We don't. There's a consciousness in it, I think. And the minute you start elevating your consciousness into, again, we've gone on to the more spiritual side of something. <laughs> you start elevating your consciousness into, how can I help this person? That person will, in future, look at no other person to collaborate with. Or very, or all that you become in the market of one only because you positioned yourself again, position yourself into a place of, like you said, your your values. People do, again, a lot of the stuff I say is what we know, but people do business with people they, they know, like, and trust. You can say that all day long until you're blue in the face. However, if in your mind you're thinking, well, I just want to get one over on this person, are they going to like you? Yeah. I, I, give, I give you an example. So authenticity, I think, is even an even greater distilled down version of what influence is, I, alongside the values and things. And there was a great um, story I heard once, and it's about a bull and a pheasant. 
So there was a bull in a field just chewing on the grass and there was a pheasant that landed on top of him. The pheasant looked at the tree and he said to the bull, oh, a long time ago, I used to be able to fly to the very top of that tree. The bull says to him, well, I'll tell you the secret. What you want to do is you want to take, eat some of my dung and you'll find yourself be able to get to the very top of that tree. The pheasant was very, I'm not sure it's going to work. Anyway, he tried it. So the first day he started pecking at the uh, cow's dung and sure enough, he was on the first branch. Second day, he was on the second branch and within a week, he'd reached that very top of the branch and top of the tree. The farmer in the house opposite, he saw the pheasant at the top of the tree. He pulled out his gun, shot the pheasant right off of the tree. The moral of the story is bullshit might get you to the top of the tree, but it certainly won't keep you there. <laughs> and that in itself is a nice little story, which kind of does emphasize the importance of authenticity. Yeah. You might have to edit out the bull S. <laughs> Not on this show, don't <laughs> worry. Only for my mum. It is an authentic, an authentic mindset that we have. And if you take even people like the best salespeople in the world, of course, you're familiar with Joe Girard and Ali Raider. Yeah. Joe Girard, the, one of the greatest Chevrolet salespeople. And he attributed his success to exactly the same things. It was just liking people, being the same as those people, sending, sending them out a Christmas card with a different picture on the front every year. This is just one of his things. And that's what we do when we like somebody, you send them a Christmas card. It's not like I'm sending a Christmas card because I want something back. You don't expect a Christmas card back. You just do it because that that's just our human nature, just to be nice and lovely to people. Yeah. So, it's funny. Yeah. I always think that out of all of Cialdini's influence and persuasion principles, likability is the most underrated and the one that the fewest people seem to talk about. Everyone's always talking about reciprocity and uh, social proof uh, and you know, everything else, but likability is, is super important. I, th I think it's, I think it's talked about that little alongside authenticity for one very big reason. You can't teach it. Right. You can't teach somebody to be likable. You can't teach somebody to be authentic. And I say that I talk about this in my keynote speech, you know, you can on the other hand teach somebody how not to be non-authentic or not likable, but you should know that anyway, but people don't. Sandy Tom, a, a guitarist, probably still around. She had a fantastic, uh, had the name of that album. It was Smile. It confuses people. <laughs> likeability of just smiling. We've kind of lost this now a little bit, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Likeability, 100% agreeing. I was delivering a, a corporate presentation just last week and, and really the whole theme of that, because it was related to people who were working at trade shows, was about having this warmth and approachability that people should feel that they can come to you that they want to and that they can feel relaxed with you and i think oh i like this person and and that you can feel like that with them but it has to come from something genuine and and i really think that people don't genuinely approach that they think oh i've got to make a sale i've got to hit my target i've got to try and speak to as many people as i can even even if they're complete a-holes you know it's like well uh, i think there's a better way and uh, and we can have uh, better relationships in life and business when we, when we focus on those things instead. And, you know, I also think there's this aspect to influence and persuasion where, uh, and uh, it comes up with, Cialdini mentions it, 
and I've just been reading a book called The Charisma Myth, okay. which which is also which also mentions it that training these sorts of skills is something that could actually be training up the next generation of con artists or <laughs> people people who are going to cynically take these principles and apply them and and rip people off or utilize them just to get their own way and get what they want more the what we would associate with the manipulation side of this what, what are your thoughts around that um so con artist con artist is uh short for confidence artist so somebody has the confidence to deliver these skills let's say once you start once you start calling them skills or techniques or strategies that's when it becomes manipulative to some extent. So my thoughts on this are, there are some people who, let's say, have never read Cialdini's book, who have never read anything about influence and persuasion, but are just naturally good at doing this kind of thing. And I think it's remiss of us as humans not to read books, learn, evolve ourselves, and therefore we get to understand these parts of our personality or behaviors or actions, which we may be lacking in. And it books or learnings may merely lend to highlight those parts. And I think if you're highlighting those, you can approach them in your own way. So Cialdini's not written a book which says you must do this. Mm. This is the law of influence. These are, for, well, they are fantastic principles, etc. but they merely serve as a guide or a reference point. And if you were to take them straight out and then apply them as strategies, as techniques, again, it will be like that pheasant. You'll quickly soon get found out as unauthentic and just applying strategies. I do, however, think that in the world of automation and AI, I don't, this is just my belief. It's not never something I've spoken about that you can, in theory, take these principles and apply them into AI, into automated systems. And that could be dangerous mm -hmm. because yeah, that could be dangerous. However, when you're dealing with people, you can kind of, what's that? That smells like, <laughs> you, you can kind of feel it when it's automated. And you start pulling lots more information, like you mentioned earlier about the ocean model, different, different parts of our personality, the openness, agreeableness, neuroticism, et cetera, et cetera. You start finessing all of those things together. And we're kind of in a real different place in, in, in influence and persuasion. But in terms of conning people, yes, I think there is definitely that way. And I suppose you could liken it to the world of pickup artistry. Right. So guys who learn how to approach and date and seduce ladies. Whether girls do that to men, I don't know. Maybe there's a world of that as well. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. But yes, yeah, so again, essentially there, you're highlighting those parts of the personality which you're not confident in. So you might not have the ability to make a feel lady feel special or loved, or you might not have the confidence to speak to them, or you might not have certain abilities that other people may have. So I think it's just highlighting those parts. Yeah. yeah I, I think my take on it is more that the people who want to use those sorts of things to manipulate people will find a way to learn those skills. Even it, And it's probably not going to be from, from a, a more official textbook or something, someone like Cialdini, or maybe Robert Greene, I don't know. But <laughs> some people describe maybe his stuff as being a bit more practical application and principles and, and a bit more amoral, but 
ultimately he's just putting out their information about what works and what doesn't. But I think when we look to the origins of something like rhetoric, which was designed really with the, in, in mind the principles of truth telling and being able to help positively get messages out into the world, at least in its origins, that as a tool as well can be used for the opposite effects, no? And so the, the same kind of thing is there. It's just a tool. It's just a tool or a way to create influence, a way to persuade and develop with, with people. And so are all of Cialdini's principles. So are all of Robert Greene's or anyone else's principles around influence and persuasion that we can take them and use them for good or not. But if you don't know them, it's far easier to use them on you than it is for somebody who doesn't know them. And, and yeah, so, so that's what I think is like, it's really important for people to know this stuff. I, I, I also noticed in, in your book, you also bring in things like cognitive bias and like the, the, talk about critical thinking skills, but things like cognitive bias, which most people don't think understand and, and heuristics, the shortcuts we all take as well in life. I think those things are super important here, but wh why did you bring them into your book? Um, I think because like, like <laughs> I think now more than ever heuristics, people are Essentially, heuristics is the little shortcuts in people's minds, which you can take advantage of. But for me, why it was important, because it sits alongside influence and persuasion, because like you kind of alluded to there, it kind of allows people to take an objective look at to how they are potentially being influenced or looking at uh, their position with influence and persuasion. So. I mentioned about, I think dogs, maybe I mentioned, but yeah, if you take a, take a dog starts barking and then another dog starts barking and another dog starts barking at that dog. And all of a sudden the, the last dog, every, all the dogs are barking, but the first dog doesn't realize why the, why it's barking in the first place, only because the other dogs are barking. Yeah. I suppose it's another way of sheep, the sheep analogy. We're all just sheep. Um, and I think now where <clears throat> we're, we're so easily not in, yeah, maybe influenced, maybe manipulated in, into making certain decisions, which you may perhaps regret. I'm not talking about Brexit or anything like that. Could be though, right? <laughs> but could be, could be where people, I'm not saying Brexit, whether it's right or wrong, but people who have, who have been influenced into making those decisions and then look back and think, oh, why did I do that in the first place? Yeah. Or why did Donald Trump get voted into power in the first, what, what, you know, or, or other even smaller than Why, why, why is this? And I suppose in a way it then links back to this whole automation and how influence and persuasion can be automated and how it is slowly becoming dovetailed with technology. So I think it's, it's to highlight, yeah, that the fact that we can be influenced, can be manipulated and how those how 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 influence and persuasion can kind of wiggle into uh, influencing us yeah yeah i mean some, some of my guests in the past people who have perhaps been professors of rhetoric on the show and people who really uh, study at the highest academic levels which sometimes you know you have to be careful not to get stuck in the weeds in those kinds of conversations but, but what does become clear is they have a belief that influence and persuasion and critical thinking skills have the power to transform humanity to to make the world a better place if they're applied in the right ways, but the people who are often, who often we see using them are using them against us, using them to get what they want. And I think that's why it's so important now to have this kind of education.
so that we could, first of all, we can apply them in ways that are actually going to benefit people, but also to defend ourselves against the the misuse of these things as well when we recognize it. But I think it's a, it's a fascinating area and we could have a whole show and a whole podcast about that, just that one thing, to be, to be honest. But let me, let me bring things back to influence and persuasion in terms of really asking you, as a mentalist, and this is, I've wanted to have a mentalist on the show for the longest time. What is mentalism? Like, how do you define that? So mentalism is going to be, again, different to different people. But for me, mentalism is a, a performing art. That's the biggest umbrella I would give it, which sometimes people confuse with magic. Magic is trickery, sleight of hand, that kind of thing. Whereas mentalism is, is an offshoot of that of where you still have the entertainment factor of magic, but you also have the mystery of magic, but the mystery doesn't come from sleight of hand or visual slights. It comes from more influence and persuasion, psychological slights of the mind, if you will. So that's how I would probably describe it. It's more influence and psychologically based magic, but not magic mm. because magic is a different field. So I think. As with any form of mentalism or any form of kind of mystery arts, you probably use influence, persuasion, showmanship, uh, a little bit of magic, a little bit of misdirection, and you mix them in in different elements. Mentalism is a lot more heavily based on the psychology, psychological elements. So, yeah. yeah. I know when, when we watch someone like Darren Brown, who you mentioned earlier, uh, on his TV shows or specials, there always seems to be this element of hypnosis to a lot of the stuff that he does. And yet, having read some of his books, he doesn't really seem to be a big believer that hypnosis is a real thing. It's just like a psychological process, but it's not probably not what we think it is. Well, do, do you involve that in, in your mentalism? Is that something, and do you, do you think hypnosis is a thing? No, <laughs> <laughs> a, a great question. A great question. So much like influence, it is a thing, but it's also not a thing because it shouldn't be a thing. Mm. Hypnosis is a thing, but it's not a thing because it is essentially another word for suggestion, but suggestion has got so many other me uses to it anyway. So you have to give it a new name, if that makes sense. So hypnosis is essentially just a deeper level of suggestion. So I have dabbled with hypnosis and when I kind of do a part interview with the person who's been hypnotized, I, I ask them, what was that like for you? And it was, oh, I just felt natural for me to do it. And so it is a, just a form of suggestion and the way you progress hypnosis, uh, to kind of, to this, you would start off with a big audience, a big audience. You then do some, they're called set pieces of psychological tricks, let's say, to see who is the most susceptible, open to suggestion, and then whittle them down before you have one very, very suggestible person. Yeah. And I think that can that has some crossover into what we speak about influence as well. You know, some people may be more influenced than others because they're more open. Why are they more open? Because maybe you've nurtured a more beautiful relationship with that person, or you've spent the time understanding that person, or more importantly, you've understood their needs as opposed to their wants. Cause I think that's another important part of influence and persuasion, understanding the needs of a person, not just their wants. So yeah, I think there is a crossover. There is such a thing as hypnosis, but not as the lay person would know it as. So, yeah. yeah. And I see part of it, certainly, certainly in terms of the sort of entertainment level of hypnosis as being 
people's willingness to turn over responsibility that I'm not responsible for this. Therefore I can do all these crazy things that the person's asking me to do. So when they're on the stage thinking, yeah, it's not me doing it. It's him. He's making me do this, but, but, <laughs> but it is, you still have volition, even if you, even if you're not aware of it. Absolutely. And I think, I think again, you know, quite, uh, quite impressive. You brought up hypnosis in this particular conversation because there is a massive similarity, massive similarity, which is never really spoken about because again, there you mentioned about taking somebody on the stage, they probably wouldn't behave like that. They may do. They probably wouldn't behave like that if they didn't feel safe in that environment. And the same was influence persuasion. People wouldn't behave a certain way if they didn't feel safe to do so. And I don't mean safe in the typical way. I just mean they're not going to be made to feel silly or if that's something that they're worried about or they're not going to be made to. I think, yeah, I think there's a there's an experiment I um, included in the book about somebody putting their hand in a uh, beaker of acid. If you read through the book, I forget, forget the experiment in its entirety, but they there was a beaker of acid that the participants could very well have put their hands in, but only because they knew that the, the, the person conducting the experiment would never let that happen. They didn't do it. Read it. It's, it's a fascinating experiment, mm. but there is a, a great deal of similarity between hypnosis and influence and persuasion. Yeah. And I suppose combined, if you combine them, that's when it becomes manipulative. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, you mentioned in your book as well, that manipulation isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just has a lot of bad associations, but the word itself mm. is actually pretty neutral. It's just everything that has become more, more commonly associated with it, which is why even, even on shows like this tend to avoid using it or, or only really refer to it in a negative context, which again, just goes on to keep reinforcing that. But, um, ultimately that's pretty much where the common definition is at, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think manipulation is essentially more heavily, more heavily focused on premeditated premeditation. So if you're going into an influence or persuasion, what can I get it for me? What can I do for me, 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 me. And it's premeditated. That's where it becomes manipulative. Yeah. I think. For sure. Now, you, you did bring up earlier the uh, the five-factor personality model. Can can you tell us a little bit more about that? You mentioned some of them already. I think openness and agreeableness and neuroticism. Well, what, what are the five factors in the personality model? So you've got openness, conscientiousness, agreeableness, neuroticism, and extroversion. So over over the lasts, I think since the seventies, everybody has different personality that they behave differently in different situations towards. I think the analogy I, or the, the analogy I, I gave, which maybe again, your listeners could think about if you own this fabulous beach fronted property, and you have people walking along that front of the beach and you don't want to do it anymore. You could put up two signs, or you could put up many signs, but let's take two signs. The first one says, shark sighted, keep out. The other one says, private property, keep off. So one is a fear-based form of influence, shark sighted, keep out. And the other one is based on the law or the rules. And people are going to react differently to both of those because they're using two different forms of influence. And so this is essentially how influences become in terms of Facebook or Instagram or targeted marketing, because you might react a different way to the other person yet still using the same influence. Let's call them techniques for now, 
because you are a different personality, because you've been brought up differently, your worldview is very different. And I think it's important to give those things some consideration as well, just as much as the Cialdini principles of persuasion, because you have a, you might have a different form of religion. You might read the different kind of newspaper. You might have a different world belief. You might have children. And if you've got children, you might behave somebody differently to somebody who's not got children, et cetera, et cetera. So I think these five forms of five, five personalities are essentially a distilled down version of the many millions of thousands of different individual personality traits that we have yeah. and how that you can tailor your influence to these, yeah, just more randomly. Would you, would you say that all the five types are, uh, equally persuadable or are there some types that are perhaps more susceptible to things like suggestion and say manipulation and other forms of influence and persuasion? I think that if you are, let's do this, you're in a top floor of a, of a building. And you open up the door and it, and it looks out onto a, onto a tightrope leading over to the next building. If I gave you 10,000 pounds or $10,000, Johnny, would you do it? Would you walk along that tightrope? I, I would not. <laughs> you would not. How about if I was to give you $50,000? There, there is no amount of money. No amount of money. What about, what about if that room was on fire? The one that I was in. The one that you, if, if that was my only escape route, I, I might just. Exactly. Exactly. So you that are, you there are not motivated by money. You're motivated by the fear and of course, death or of course, survival. Now for some people, we may never, I've, I've gone, I've, I've distilled that down, but some people may go, yeah, I'll take you, I'll take you 10,000 off. But equally so if we were to link this back into a, um, <clears throat> into a work environment, which I think is really important for your listeners as much as anything else just talking about influence. If you're a manager and you want to motivate your staff through an incentive, you may think, oh, let's give a hundred pounds to Tom. Tommy could do with a hundred pounds. That's going to incentivize him. And you might think you could have a blanket approach to give everybody a hundred pounds when they do something great. However, Julie may have three children that she doesn't get to see as much as she wants. And she'd love to go and pick him up after school. Her motivation would be leaving just 20 minutes, half an hour early. Bob may like his bottle of champagne, but Shemmel, she doesn't drink. So you wouldn't incentivize her with the bottle of champagne. We conducted uh, a, a study based on these kind of ideas with the Influence Association. And we asked people, we got a survey of about five or 6,000 different people to find out what motivates them or what, what's, what influences them the most. And out of all of those things, bottle of champagne, some money, et cetera, the one thing that came out most was a handwritten note from the director, from the boss, handwritten note from the boss. I don't know. I'd probably take the 10,000, <laughs> but that, that wasn't everybody. That was everybody. So, uh, so yeah. So in answer to your question, which I've kind of gone off at tangent, everybody is going to be have different motivations and everybody is, is going to be influenced slightly different based on their personality. Right. And I think that those two examples kind of emphasize that. You mentioned in your book, and I think you're showing here as well, that you are pretty good at getting to what somebody's personality model is very quickly. Is that a beneficial skill that most people could have, or is it in the realms of takes hours and hours of practice. It's really sort of more the realm of mentalists and trust professionals. What would you say? To 
So yeah, so I say that in a loose way. I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it a hundred percent of the time to a hundred percent of the people, but the more you engage with people, the more nuances that you see in people, which are unbelievable and how similar people are. So I often say one of the most predictable things about people is the fact they believe they're unpredictable and by default, that makes them more predictable. So if, so with that in mind, you can kind of guess what actions certain people do or what behaviors they're going to do. And again, when we mentioned about hypnosis, if somebody comes up on the stage based on out of this wide audience, who's coming up, who's really wanting to come up, they're, they're going to be influenced slightly different to somebody else. So yeah, I'll take, I'll take an example for you actually. So, um, a deck of cards, I did say there was a kind of an element of overlap between magic and mind reading. I don't do anything with cards only because sometimes people think there's a, uh, it's a magic trick, but I'm going to tell you there's one card face down inside of here. Now, absolutely hands on your heart. I've not asked you to beforehand to think of a playing card or set anything up beforehand. No, no. Perfect. So what I want you to do is think of a playing, uh, think of a color, red or black. Let's break it down. Think of a color, red or black. What do you want to go for? Red. Do you want to go for a diamond or a heart? Diamond. A number or a picture? Picture. Picture. Don't go for a king. Everyone picks a king. Do you want to go for a jack or queen of diamonds? Mm, queen. Queen of diamonds. Now there is one card face down inside of here. I don't want to do any magic or anything like that. Absolutely sure. The queen of diamonds, you can change if you want. I never go with the queen. So slow, so fair. Queen of diamonds. If I take these out, try and do it as slow as possible. We're going to see one card just there. Yes. Yep. And it's not the Jack. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the Jack. Exactly that. Cause you can see about that card again, Johnny say out the loud. Queen of diamonds. No and there she is. So that's one in 52. Okay. Yeah. One in 52. What do I want you to do is think of an object. Just any, any object. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, change your mind. Okay. Yeah. And now what I want you to do is really delve into the back of your mind and bring whatever that really weird, quirky, unusual object is to the front of your mind. Okay. Yeah. And once you've got that in mind, really make it bright, really make it vivid, really, really focus on that. Okay. Yes. Is there any, just yes or no, is there any way I can know what this object is? Uh, no. There is no way. There is no way, is there? There is not. So, what's your favorite color? <laughs> uh, my favorite color um, is brown. Brown, okay. I'm going to try and go for this. I need to ask a few questions. What should, uh, if you could do anything in the world, what would be your dream job? Oh boy, a full-time podcaster, I guess. I was saying... And you, uh, indoors or outdoors? Uh, that's mostly an indoors thing. So indoors. Okay. And it, I'm, I mean, in life in general, indoors or, indoors oh, or in outdoors? general, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of indoorsy, I guess. Okay. Okay. I'll say maybe this, I've drawn a little picture of something you're thinking of mm-hmm. and maybe that you've just, you changed your mind a few times and then you're thinking of something. What was the, uh, what was the object you were simply thinking of? Uh, it was a, a tuba. A tuba, just a tuba. It was if a fox could, uh, playing a tuba. A fox playing a tuba. Yeah. Okay. 
If you could make this fox any color in the world, what color would you give it? You uh, can just say it. Just say it. Just think. Pink. So a pink fox playing a tuba. Yeah. Not the best picture in the world. I put this. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's that is crazy. Fox. That is crazy. <laughs> Well, that, right, that, just, is, uh, that is what you wrote. Thing. Wow. That, that's amazing. That is it. That is it. So, yeah. So I sometimes use my, uh, so it's, this involves a lot of different kind of um, abilities. It's not just influence and not just persuasion, but there is that underlying influence persuasion to it as well. So, yeah, just a, a couple of little uh couple of little demonstrations so that, yeah. that honestly that's amazing but th does that really speak to our predictability or does that speak to predictability and a few other things added in so so those those as an example are the, the, the where you were thinking of a pink fox that's slightly different the playing cards you've got one in 52 chance uh, when ladies are asked to think of a playing card they think about the queen of hearts or the seven of hearts guys naturally go for the ace of spades okay so based on those three things, if, if you know that I know that that's what people think of, you're probably going to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. So you still went with a queen, which is psychologically one of the most popular cards, but a diamond. There's where the guys go for the hearts. Yeah. Now I'm just doing this as an example. Guys who generally want to be the alpha male of the group, they'll probably go for the ace of spades because they think I'll never get it. But by default, one of the most predictable things about people is the fact they believe they're unpredictable. It makes it easier for me. It's the same as if I was to ask an alpha male of the group to draw any object they want, be as creative as they want. They're probably only going to draw one of two things. And they probably both can't be mentioned on this show here. <laughs> but they think they're being funny. And then they reinforce that by showing their friends and laughing. Now, that's not an ex. That's not being a hundred percent influencing them. The influencing is already there because they've kind of influenced themselves. Right. So yeah. So there is something as well called self-influence, but that's a different topic. But yeah, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, some of the some of the techniques you can use, of course, on stage to influence, and I do as part of my influence experience show. Do Do you think though that I mean th those are amazing demonstrations, and thank you for those. Do you, Do you think there is a benefit to people at least attempting to try and figure out people's personality model based on the the five factors that you present? I think maybe figure out is a bit too try hard. I understand what you mean by the word figure out, but if you were to spend some quality time with somebody, as, as it comes back to before of likability, if you just want to spend some quality time with somebody, those personalities will essentially come to the fore. You know, those individual traits yeah. will come to the fore, but that five personality model with using the data from set top boxes or the data from our viewing on Facebook or our data from our search history. That's, that's fact, but there's other elements still in there that, oh, you may have actually hovered over that picture a bit too long because the kettle was boiling, or you may have ended up watching that TV show because there was nothing else on. Mm. So it's not a hundred percent. Whereas if you get to know somebody. You kind of don't have to ask them. You kind of get to know and you, but I, I do think in terms of influence of persuasion, absolutely. Because again, it comes down to learning 
what somebody's needs are. Because when you talk, so listening, of course, active listening, reactive listening, whatever you want to call it is, I think, a fundamental part of influence and persuasion. And generally, if you ask somebody what they need, they tell you what they want. They don't tell you what they need. But understanding what they need is part of their personality. And when you understand their needs, that's when you can really help them. And that's when I suppose influence, you can influence them. So yeah, it's those needs, which are the underlying core of them, of their personality, which is in some way associated with their five point personality. Yeah. So now I'm going to, I'm going to be a bit, a little bit mean perhaps, and ask you for a very short answer to what possibly isn't a, a short question, but something like neuro-linguistic programming, undoubtedly you've come across that, you maybe even utilize elements of it, but what, what are your thoughts around something like NLP? Is it valuable for people to learn or is it a lot of hokum or what do you think? NLP is so diverse. I think it is absolutely credible. I think you can certainly take individual parts of NLP and the strongest example element of NLP, which I believe in is belief, the, the, the power of belief and just a two minute, two second soundbite is of course, with the four minute mile, as we all know, was run by Roger Bannister. And I think in. That year when he broke the, was it the four minute mile? I believe he broke the four, four minute mile. But anyway, he broke that. He broke the, the he could, he'd never been beaten. Yeah. That same year, three other people beat it. Now it's become the industry standard simply because of belief. Mm. Now that LP. So based on that, I think NLP is definitely worth it. I'm not saying everybody could start winning the mile <laughs> with those kind of speed, just based on belief, but. I think you get what I mean. Yeah, no, I do. I, I probably have similar similar opinions, really. Some of it is very useful. Some of it is uh, complete pseudoscience and guff. And, and it's hard. And it's sometimes hard to discern what's what. So I think we all have to be perhaps a little more skeptical <laughs> when, when we're listening to people than, than we are. And that ties in with some of the stuff you talk about in your book about cognitive biases and heuristics. A little bit of skepticism is very healthy sometimes. Test stuff out, see what works, see what you like, see. See what's real and don't just blindly believe what people tell you. <laughs> this is all super important stuff. Now, we talked a lot about some of the content of your book. For people who want to find out more about it, what's the, what's the best way for them to check it out? Yeah, Amazon, go on Amazon, Effective Influence, uh, 65 Ways to Become More Influential. Um, you can check out my book there. Um, Lots of different experiments, uh, some that we conducted, some that I've gathered from around the world. Um, but yeah, if you wanted to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn, Duncan Stevens, or you could find me on my website, duncanstevens.com. Great. Yeah. And also, if anyone wants you to come and talk about these topics as well, LinkedIn would probably be the best place for them to get hold of you too, right? Yeah, or duncanstevens.com. Perfect. Down there, you watch some showreels. You can maybe watch some more clips of influence and persuasion. So, yeah. Great. Yeah, I think people would probably find the book, uh, if they're interested in this show, they're certainly going to find a lot of interest in your book. And particularly that you don't just cite experiments. You really talk about some of the application and what we can take away from that, which is uh, something I haven't seen in many books. And I've often said when I see people, I'm not going to name names, but some of these people who've written influence and persuasion books that are essentially just rehashes of Cialdini or other people, that they don't really add anything to the conversation or they don't at least give clarity or application. And you do. 
and uh, oh. and so so that was very helpful and that's something that's really worth people checking out in addition to your book are there any other books that you think people maybe who tune into this show or, or maybe just in general should definitely read like books that maybe have had a, an impact on you i think you could probably take two books which are a little bit off kilter. I'm not going to say Giardini because I think he gets plugged far too much. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't um, need the help, perhaps, yeah. Um, I'd probably say, I forget his uh, name, but I'd say Ego is, is the Enemy is a is a really good read. This it is Ryan you... Holiday, yeah? Absolutely. Very good. Have you read it? Yes, great book. It's a good book, yes. And I think that's important because Ego is the Enemy. Just by reading the book, I'd love to say I've distanced myself from my ego. I haven't. We've all got an ego, but it's how you can diminish that ego and how you can essentially become that authentic, empathetic, likable person, which isn't focused on getting the next million pound or getting this or getting that me, 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 me. I think if you can distance yourself from the ego, then influence and persuasion becomes very a, a much more natural behavior characteristic and it no longer becomes i'm going to influence this person i'm just going to be myself and yeah and i think those people are the most likable as you said are the most successful with influence and persuasion yeah well Uh, if character is influence then the virtues of stoicism that ryan holiday talks about are a very powerful form of that for sure yeah so absolutely so that and i'll probably also pick up a book from Sadhguru. Sadhguru is a spiritual guru but not your typical guru yeah again similar kind of mindset and doesn't necessarily talk about influence persuasion but i don't think i think as you correctly cited books which aren't anything to do with influence persuasion charisma and other books i think that sometimes is the important element for any form of creative pursuit any form of business don't just focus on that one area that you're focused on. Broaden your reading range, broaden your watching range, and you become much more well-rounded. Because, you know, if, you, if you've read Charisma and I've read Charisma, we're going to connect more rather than if you've read Cialdini and I've not read Cialdini. <laughs> For sure. You get the point. Yeah, yeah. You get the point. We're going to connect more and therefore we're going to influence, we're going to have a, a better relationship where you're going to get something which is going to help your life. I'm going to get something which is going to help my life. And together we'll grow our businesses or grow our lives better and more beautifully, I would say. Yeah. Before we start wrapping things up, you mentioned, I think, an influence association earlier. Is that right? What, yeah, that's right. What, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, I sent it up oof, a number of years ago now. It's, we help. We started off by helping people uh, with small small businesses grow their businesses based on influence and persuasion, ideas and concepts. Some, I suppose, more basic ideas. Let's say, for example, colors, even just the color of having orange on your website. Through thousands of studies, orange is, is a more influential color than any other color to increase your click-through rate on your website using the color orange and just little ideas like that. This thing grew and then we got asked by other people to give keynote presentations on influence and persuasion. And then we started moving into running a few studies, like an undercover influence and persuasion, see 
how people as managers were influencing their staff, what they could tighten up on, things like that. So yeah, we offer a range of, I suppose, quirky, quirky approaches to businesses, which they wouldn't normally approach. But yeah, I think we love, we love helping less established businesses just as much as established businesses grow their businesses through influence and persuasion strategies and techniques like that. And like I said, it's not just, it's not just the bigger picture thing. It is more granular stuff like what's how best to construct a website, how best to create a business card, how best to do these kind of things. But there's also the bigger things which feed into the book, like our undercover experiments and stuff. Yeah, perfect. So if people want to find out a bit more about the Influence Association, is that on your website or is there somewhere else they should go for Yeah, just go to influenceassociation.com and say hello, yeah. Awesome stuff. Now, this may be a hard question to answer for you because you might be struggling to choose between them, but uh, what is your influence and persuasion superpower? My influence and persuasion superpower is authenticity, I, I, I think. If you were to meet me, on the street, in a, in a pub, in a, in a restaurant, wherever I'd be the same, I'm the same person all the time. And I think having an authentic approach in your life is important because we're so often presenting the best versions of ourselves, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's here, there and everywhere. And I think having an authentic, uh, approach to life, not only is a positive to people, but also shares your vulnerabilities as well. And I think we all have vulnerabilities and where we all have vulnerabilities, again, we can connect with those vulnerabilities, not just because we want to connect with somebody with vulnerable vulnerabilities, but I think we just like to connect with people who are, are authentic. Oh, he's an authentic guy. He's a nice guy. I really get on with him. He's a nice, you know, that, that, that I believe is such an important thing. And unfortunately in the world, which has become increasingly unauthentic because of social media and it's easy to say that but i think it's the easiest way to move away from manipulation to move away from premeditated influences the easiest way to yeah form beautiful relationships with people just by being yourself being authentic and where authentic is you know what is the ego or at least you should you can be the observer of the ego and what isn't the ego yeah I sound like a spiritual guru. <laughs> no, really I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm, a, I'm one of the least spiritual people you could be, probably in many ways. Uh, but I, I, I agree with you. Uh, and I think that per- perfection or perfectionism that we see on a lot, probably in the Instagram lifestyle or perhaps on TikTok as well, these people who seem to have it all together and they look fantastic and they seem to have these glorious lifestyles, it's not real. <laughs> It's like, you, you, it's only one small segment or it's an illusion or it's manipulated or it's certain filters or whatever else. You are not seeing the real picture. Whereas people who will share at least, maybe not all their dirty laundry, but some of their imperfections, <laughs> that's a lot more real. It's a lot more relatable. And, and perhaps we should give a bit more attention and focus to those people. And, and therein lies a very funny little finish to this because those people who are displaying this unreal life are called influencers. <laughs> well, but that's not that doesn't make sense they're, they're influenced on a different level so it's kind of, the world's gone wacky <laughs> yeah i guess that's i guess that really is the essence of why influencers has become such a, an unlikable term and why people yeah, make yeah. the rail against it if there was one thing above everything else that you most hope people will take away and remember from our conversation what do you hope that would be how, how can you help people How can you help people? England, NATO, 
the US, they're helping Ukrainian people at the moment. They're not wanting to get anything out of it. They're just helping. Well, they are wanting not to go to a bigger war, but this kind of times, <laughs> this is time now, this is what time you've recorded this. But yeah, they, they, they're, they're wanting to help. And if you take that same idea from the 70s, where I think it was Ethiopia helped Mexico, or the other way around when they, it was, they had a massive earthquake, Ethiopia donated $5,000, which they couldn't really afford. They gave it to Mexico to help with the relief aid. That was, that was all. And then a few years later, when they had famine and star, starvation, Mexico reciprocated that and gave back to them. So I believe help, helping others around you is the most important thing. And again, it's not directly help equals influence, but it absolutely does, yeah. but in an unmanipulative way. So how, how, can you, how can you help other people? I like that. That's a great note to finish on. Duncan Stevens, thank you so much for coming and being a guest on Speaking Influence. Thanks so much for having us. It's been good fun. Well, thanks to you also for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed the show and found some things that you can take away and put into practice from that. And maybe it's even inspired your desire to learn some of the tools of the trade of the mentalists. Next time on the show, I'm going to be speaking with Daniel Tolson. And Daniel has one of the most amazing voices that I've ever encountered in the world of podcasting. So you're going to, you may want to tune in just for his voice alone. We also share something quite amazing in common, which I've never come across in the personal and professional development world before. If you want the answer to this mystery, then you need to make sure that you are tuned into this channel, subscribe to the show and join me next week because Daniel is quite a, an amazing figure in the world of personal development and has done some incredible things against the odds. You'll hear him talk about some of the challenges that he's had in his own life and business and the failures that have come on the way. And for many people, having faced what he's faced, he'll give up, but he hasn't done that. And he's gone on to become an internationally renowned speaker and podcaster and content creator and really a super good guy as well. I had a fantastic time chatting to him. I can't wait for you to hear it too. And if you happen to have your device in your hand right now as you're listening to this, please think about leaving us a star rating if you're on Spotify. It's really easy to do. So long as you've listened to 30 seconds of the show which you already have, then just click the three dots by the side of the show and you can leave a rating. And also, if you're on Apple Podcasts, it's super easy to leave a review for the show. It doesn't necessarily help with searchability, but it does give me great feedback, lets me know whether I'm doing a good job or not, and also lets other people know whether the show is worth tuning into. Of course, the best thing you could do if you want to support the show is to share it out with your friends and network. If you know one person who could benefit from any of the content in these shows, then please do share the podcast with them. Maybe you know more than one, and you might even want to share it with your whole network. If you do that, you will have my lifelong gratitude, and I'll look forward to bringing you plenty more episodes like this one in the future. For now, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, have an amazing week. Go and make great things happen.